Amen. Uh, go ahead and grab a seat. But in the meantime, here's the deal. You're seated, but this doesn't mean you don't have less energy. I, we, we are going to do an old-fashioned meet and greet. Are you ready? All right. So we're gonna, it's a little bit of practicing last week, all right? You ready? All right. What was one of the questions we asked last week? How are you? What's your name? Where are you from? You are empowered. Go in peace, but not peace. Talk, meet and greet. Are y'all not Baptists? What's going on? You know what this also is? Y'all are only coming out on one side, and so this is like a sound fix, but also a meet and greet. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Well done. All right, let's go. We got to get we got to get rolling. You're going to miss lunch if I can't finish my message. All right. I will I will preach. I'm not scared. All right. Good job. See, I knew there was a little Baptist in some of y'all. Some of y'all looked at me and were like, "What's a meet and greet? Is that meet and and then we say hey to each other?" No, I I knew you had it in you. Good job. Um this is the last morning for our sermon series, uh, Becoming Winsome, Evangelism for the Rest of Us. I know, I know, I know. Sharing Sundays next week, which we're super excited about. But the deal with this whole sermon series has been really wrapped around kind of two things. Are you ready for this? You're like, Nick, it took you seven weeks or eight weeks to say this, and this is, this is the, the big deal, the big idea. God is preparing His messenger so that they can release the message of the gospel into the world. So that's like what it is. And so what happens is, is when we read verses like Matthew 5, and it talks about the followers of Jesus being the light of the world, and as a result of that, that people will see the light, they will see those good deeds, they will see the works, they will see Christ in the people of God. And the only way we can get there is when God is preparing His messengers. And so he does that through a lot of ways. He does that through the ups. He does that through the downs. He does that through certain seasons and where he takes us in life. There are things that you have experience in. There is a background that you have that only you have. And you might think, it, you might think that it's meant to make you like unique and special and all these things. But actually, God is using your background 
for his gospel to go forward. And so God is preparing his messenger. And then the other thing that God is doing is God is forming a message in his messenger. And so what that means is that there is a good news and a comfort that you receive from God in good times and times in stress. And that message is going to be used to reach someone around you. And so evangelism for the rest of us might not look like it did for Billy Graham, right? Like Billy Graham would fill stadiums, like he would give an altar call. They would sing just as I am, like a hymn of old, and they would come forward and great is thy faithfulness. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but how do you go to work and lead people to see Jesus if you can't stand in a pulpit or sing a hymn in the middle of your cubicle? Like that might be weird, right? Like I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying you've got to be ready to explain why you're singing Great is Thy Faithfulness when everyone else is working. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just you might want to be ready to explain yourself. And so God is forming His messenger and His message to release a good news into this world. And for whatever reason, we as the church have decided rather than being the message of redemption, we're going to be referees. Like we're just going to blow the whistle. Ah, you did that wrong. That's not okay. Oh, you didn't hear the whistle? Let me get in your comment section. Oh, you're not checking the comments? Let me get in the DMs. And for whatever reason, we've found this space where we feel like it is our job to referee and control the world rather than bring a good news unto the world that frees them and releases them into the world. And so God is doing something in us if we will allow him to become, if we, if we will allow him to allow us to become winsome. And so with this is this idea, okay, now we have a message and a good news. And how does that go forth in the world? Like, do I like give someone the message of the gospel in like three steps and figure out like how these steps of the cross relate to their life? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think there is a deeper thing that is happening in the, all of the Bible. What I think God is doing is I think God is presenting himself in such a way where he walks among the people and he becomes the kingdom of God among the people and he becomes the good news among the people and then he becomes the way of freedom for the people. So we're not just giving them information. We are giving them Jesus. But it's not just Jesus. It's this real tangible way that Jesus lived among the people. He lived in this world. And so what is God doing? Like, how is he calling people home? Because I think sometimes we think it's about being right and wrong, right? Like, I have the truth. I have the right answer. I have the reason. I have these things. But I want us to step back a little bit and I want to say or present another opportunity or another thing that I believe God might be doing. The first word is restoration, and the second word is re uh, relationship. So restoration and relationship. So here is what I think God is doing in the world among us. I think God is restoring His image bearers back to their proper image. And so when we look at people, 
we're not looking at them as in and out, right and wrong, or this and that, or they're in that category and they believe this. But when I read Scripture, especially when I read Genesis 1.27, it says that we have all been created in the image of God. And what happens in this life is we stray from that image. And so you can still put your butt in the seat every Sunday and not be an image bearer of God to the best of His ability in your life. Like You could still do the right things and not reflect the right image. And so what God is doing is he's not here to convert people. He's here to restore people. He's here to get them back to the image of how they were created. And so when he says, in my image, in our image, you are created, male and female, he's saying, hey, I am creating a people in my perfect image. And so we all know the story, right? They're placed in a garden and somehow that image got marred. And so... What I'm presenting to you is it's not that people are right and wrong, sinner, not sinner, is that are we living out of the image of how we were created? Are we living out of the image bearing imprint that was put on our life? And so God in Christ is about restoring people to that image. And so there will be things, yes, we might profess to know Jesus, we might love Jesus, we might want to follow him with all of our life, but this life is one long process of shaking off the image of this world and stepping into the image that we were perfectly created to walk in, right? And so we experience this in our life, like we experience times of peace, times of freedom, times where there's not worry, times where we're walking in our full authority and our full power and our full anointing. And we're like, I think this is why I was created. I think there's something happening here and I'm in some sort of flow or sweet spot. And God from the heavens is like, that's because you're living out of your image. And so when that's not happening, then we have to ask ourselves the question, like, why am I not living out of this image? So God is restoring people to that image. That's what saying yes to Jesus is. It's a saying yes to living life how you were created originally. So not only is he restoring, not only is it about restoration, it's about relationship. And so you're not just wanting to see people converted and dogmatically saying yes to some sort of message. We're wanting people to be in right relationship with God. And so when God is making right in this world, when he's unleashing us into the world to become winsome, he is wanting us to live our life and share the good news in such a way that it restores people back to God. We walk in that relationship. So when you read verses like Luke 15 about the prodigal son, like it's so great that he came home and it's so great that they had the party. But the big thing that I see is that he was restored in relationship, right? Like the father never stopped loving him. The son just came home. And so that's what it means to walk and believe and trust in God. Is this that, it's not that like, oh my gosh, like all of a sudden it turns on. It's like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden we come home. We come home to our Father who loves us deeply. And so this message of evangelism, this message of becoming wisdom, this message of the gospel, yes, it is a truth. Yes, it is biblical. Yes, it is a news. 
Yes, it comes from our mouth to their ears. Yes, it is all these things. Yes, it, there are elements of right. Yes, there are elements of wrong. But at the crux of it all is God saying, hey, I want to restore my people to their proper image. And I want to restore the relationship that I had when I was walking among them in the garden. And that's the whole reason that Jesus came. But here's the deal. With any relationship, the relationship functions on trust, right? Like you can't have a relationship with someone that you don't trust. You're like, hey, you know, this is going nowhere because I don't trust you and you don't trust me. And so you're like playing poker at that point. It's like you show me your cards and I'll show you my cards and all the, you know, back and forth. But when it comes to God and when it comes to receiving the good news of Jesus, when it comes to believing in who God is, we put a lot of things around it in the church. Like it's a decision and then you've got to fill out the card and then you've got to do this and then you've got to come forward and then this has to happen and that has to happen. But at the end of the day, when we believe in Jesus, when we trust in Jesus, and when we step into the Father, it is only a symptom of our trust. We trust Him. But here's the deal. You can trust Him and decide that you're going to follow Him one day, but you're going to have to wake up tomorrow and you're going to have to what? Trust Him. And you're like, God, i got to go to work. I don't want to go to work. You don't know those people at work, God. Like, you, you don't understand. Like, you think the office is something. This is a whole other level of awkward. God, I, I don't want to raise those kids. I, I know that one day they will be young men and women in this world contributing to society, but right now they are gremlins. And I don't, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. I don't want to raise these kids. God, I don't, I don't want to love this person. It, it's hard. I, I just, they've hurt me in so many ways. God, I... I I don't know how I'm going to eat tomorrow. I don't know where the money's going to come. I don't know where this is going to happen. I don't know where that's going to happen. I don't know where this is going to happen. But that's all it is, is we see the things that look impossible, and then we confess our life to Jesus in that moment. We say, hey, God, I, I trust you. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to trust you. And so it is a one-time decision. But don't you for one second think that you don't need to decide tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day to trust in Jesus and walk in the relationship of the Father. So with this idea of trust, it's not as simple as it seems, right? And here's why. is because when you walk in this world, there's actually two voices that are fighting for your trust. So when you wake up, when you step into the world, when you log onto your phone, and when you're scrolling through all your favorite apps, every moment that you are awake, it is a fight for your trust. And there's two voices that are wanting to earn your trust. One is the voice of the Father. The voice of the Father is right, it's perfect, it's true. It says all the things that we need to hear and all the things that we don't know that we need to hear that we need to hear. And here's the deal. Sometimes it happens in a whisper. Sometimes it happens in this way. Sometimes it happens through a friend. Sometimes it happens in a dream. Sometimes it happens through all these different ways. And then there's the other voice that comes from the enemy. And here is the hard part about the two voices, is that for whatever reason, at least in my own life, it feels like the enemy has a megaphone and God has like a quiet whisper. And he's like a soft talker. And when you read the scriptures and you hear Elijah trying to battle with hearing the voice of the Lord and he's on this mountain and there's this massive wind and there's this earthquake and there's all these things happening 
And he's like, God, is that you? And then all of a sudden God shows up in a whisper and he's like, oh, that's, that's you. And then that's what happens in our own lives is even though God might come in a whisper, he is going to come in such a way that we can hear him. But we have to have lives that allow us to be available to hear the message in the voice of the Father. And for me, I find that my own life is so full and so loud and just all the things happening at once that it is so hard to hear the voice of my Father and it is so easy to hear the voice of the enemy. And so for our lives, we have to really be able to distinguish between these two voices. But here's the deal, is the people that surround us, even though they might not know God, they are receiving the same two voices every day. Like when they wake up and when they go to the job that they don't want to go to and when they're living the life that they don't want to live and when they're feeling the meaningless and purposelessness of life that they don't want to feel anymore and when they are experiencing not any peace at all and only anxiety, only worry, they are experiencing two voices as well. But here's the deal. They don't know how to tell which voice is which. And so for you and I... If we are in Christ and we love God and we have a faith in Jesus, we, we can sometimes get swayed by the voice of the enemy, but we're coming home. Like we can sometimes buy into the lies that he is, is speaking, but we can shake our head and be like, you know what? That's, that's not my father. That's not my dad. My dad would never talk like that. My, my father would never say that. My God would never ask me to do that. But the world doesn't have that framework. And so what I want to do is I want to give us Uh, Just some Bible reading from Genesis 2 and actually Genesis 3. And then here's the deal. I want to talk about how these two voices attack four things in our lives or address four things in our lives. Because the same struggles that you are having is the same struggles that the world is having. But here is the beautiful news is that you have the message of freedom that they need. But first, we have to understand and know that we are buying into that same message of freedom first. And we have to know that we are listening to the right voice rather than the wrong voice in our life. So this is Genesis 2, starting in verses 8 and 9, and then I'll jump down to verse 15, but it'll be up there as well. Now the Lord God had planted in a garden, uh, excuse me, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put a man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for the food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And so this was, this was really groundbreaking for me. Some of you might be like, oh, Nick, I know. This is, this is what we covered in like Sunday School 101. But there were a few trees. There was a lot of trees. But then there were two specific trees. And so he's got two tree options here happening in the middle of the garden. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man. So this is another big thing. Every other moment he's saying, I say, I say, I say, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said. But all of a sudden he switches and he says, I command. You are free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must not eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone, and I'll make a helper suitable for him. So this is God. He's putting his place into action. He's putting his people in the place. He's giving them abundance. He's giving them freedom. He's giving all these things. 
And it's like any of our favorite movies. Like anytime you watch a movie, right? It's like, oh my gosh, like they're having such an amazing day. Like this person has such an independent life. They're living like my dream life with a dream job in like Chelsea, New York. And they have a beautiful apartment and they get to walk on the High Line every day. And then all of a sudden the, the story drops and it's like, dun, dun, dun. And then the problem surfaces, right? This is Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat it from the fruit, the tree, from the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, Eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so here's the deal. We have two voices that are, vowed, that are fighting for our trust each and every day. And these two voices are always trying to speak into our lives. These two voices are always trying to get us to follow the way of God, or Satan trying to follow his ways in our lives. And each one of these moments, each one of these voices is trying to speak into four different things in our lives, but even more importantly, in the lives of those around us. The first thing that it wants to speak into is salvation. How, and this is, this is what salvation is, because if we grew up in the church, it's like, yeah, yeah, I know what salvation is, like a professing in Jesus and a love of God, and I have decided that I'm going to follow Jesus, but here's what salvation is. It says, answers the question, how will I experience life and freedom? So salvation is how will I experience life and freedom? So when you go back to the garden, what's happening there is God is creating all the life that we could ever need, right? And not only does he create life, he creates a tree called life. And from it, if you eat of this tree, you actually have life. And so God is trying his best to do the most he can to put life all around Adam and Eve, right? He's like, I'm going to create this. I'm going to create that. Like for me, it's like we get a new plant in the house and it's like, all right, we got life. Here it is. I mean, until like I do something to kill it. But like for right now, we have life and this is temporary life and it's this plant in this house. But God had created so much life for them to enjoy. And not only did God create life, he created freedom. I don't know if you caught that in Genesis 2. He says, you are free to eat of anything that you want to do. Like, you're free. He pronounced freedom over that moment. And you're like, well, Nick, they weren't like totally free because they could eat everything off of the menu except for this like one section. Like, they couldn't eat off of that section. But here's the crazy thing about God is sometimes freedom, true freedom, requires boundaries. Because here's the deal is when we walk in the ways of God, that's when we experience true freedom. And so God is going to put boundaries in place for us if it is something where we won't experience true life and true freedom. And so God is forming a place in the garden where we can experience life and freedom. It is true salvation. And so when Jesus comes, he comes pronouncing a message of freedom, right? We read this this morning in prayer, but it's in Luke 4 and Isaiah 61. Like the first sermon that Jesus preaches was like, I am here, I bring freedom. 
Like he's like, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me in such a way that I'm going to bring freedom in such a way that you've never seen it before. And so he comes pronouncing freedom. The Scriptures say later, it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so he's coming to bring freedom. And then Jesus also says, hey, I have come so that they have, may, may have life and have it to the full, right? Like he wasn't saying like, hey, I just want you to breathe. He's like, I want you to breathe and experience an incredible life here in my kingdom as you follow me. But what's the other voice coming to say? It's coming to say, hey, do you, do you really have life? Like, hey, do you really have freedom? Like, wouldn't freedom say you could just hit the alarm clock and, like, sleep in? Like, isn't that what true freedom is, right? Like, wouldn't freedom say that you don't have to go to church? Like, wouldn't freedom say that, like, hey, if you're, if you're really free, you could do whatever you want with your money? And so what's happening is, is there's two voices that are trying to fight for our salvation, for our freedom, and for our life. And we have to decide which voice are we going to buy into? Which voice are we going to choose? And so when God is coming, he's pronouncing salvation. He's like, hey, I'm coming to give you the best freedom that you could ever have. I'm coming to give you the most abundant life that you could ever have. But here's the deal. In order to access that life and access that freedom, you have to trust me. You're like, oh, wait, okay, hold on, time out. Like, I didn't see the fine print in that contract. Like, I just saw new house, keys, 30-year loan. Like, I'm in, like, whatever you needed. But when you, when you put that on it, I didn't see that part. And so when we are walking our lives and when we are living on this planet, everyone's trying to answer this question, how am I going to experience life and freedom? And for everyone who doesn't know Jesus and doesn't trust Jesus, they're going to do everything they can to find life and freedom. And so what happens is, is life is one big discovery and disappointment when they try something and it doesn't give them true life and true freedom. Has that ever happened to you? You're like, I, I tried that. That didn't pay off as well as I thought it would. Like, I thought that this was going to bring me, you know, joy, but it actually brought me happiness. And then I just learned that happiness is very fleeting. And so what happens is we get to capture those moments and captures those messages and we get to turn to the people around us and say, oh, you're looking for life and freedom too. Me too. I thought it was going to be this, but it wasn't that. And then I thought it was going to be that and it wasn't that. And then I thought it was going to be him, but it wasn't him. Actually, it was the opposite of him. And I don't want to ever go down that road again. Can I? Yes, can I get an amen? And so it turns out what's interesting is that we're not as different as we thought, right? Because we're all trying to get back to this image, right? We're trying to get back to restoration. Turns out that we were all wired for a relationship and we're trying to step into the full relationship that we have with the Father. And so for us, we have to answer this question, how will we experience salvation every day? You're like, well, Nick, I, I got salvation at the summer camp. Well, I'm like, well, did you get salvation from Monday? Because you're going to need it. <laughs> like, it is coming. How are you finding true life? How are you finding freedom? And then are you trusting that Jesus is the only one who can deliver that true life and true freedom? Right? It's in the relationship. Next question we have to address revolves around security. 
how will we feel confident and certain? Like, how will we feel confident and certain? So when you go back to the garden, it was a place in the presence of God, right? Like, I mean, you, you read the fine parent, they were naked. Like, I just, I don't want to go too far with this, but I don't, I leave the house and clothes for a reason. I just, I don't feel confident or certain that that is what I'm supposed to be doing in this life. But when you read back to this moment, like they had this confidence and this certainty that flowed from the identity that they were image bearers of God. Like there was a confidence and a certainty that they were in this place and God was, his presence was around them. And, and so when you look at the world, like I think everybody's wanting to get back to that confidence and that certainty, right? And sometimes we can like fake it until we make it and we're like act tougher than we really are. And so Jesus, like he comes and he's pronouncing a way so that people can experience standing with God and certainty with God. And so when he makes a way on the cross, yes, it pays for our sins. Yes, it unleashes forgiveness. Yes, it gives us the grace that we all desire. But at the end of all that, we get to stand before our maker. How amazing is that? We get to enter into the presence of God in this life and eternity. And so what I find is sometimes when life is hard, when the wheels are wobbling, when things are, are really, really tough, we are lacking certainty and standing in this life. We're, we, we've lost this confidence that we have as sons and daughters of God, right? Like the confidence isn't in anything else. It's that we are a chosen son and daughter of God in heaven and that he's made us a holy priesthood, a royal nation, and that he's got some things for us to do in this life. And so when we, we think about confidence and certainty in this life, it only comes from God in and through Christ Jesus. And I think we can try to act tough, and I think we can try to act certain, and I think we can try to act confident, but at the end of the day, we're going to lead ourselves into a nervous breakdown because that is not where our confidence and certainty comes from. It doesn't come from anything else other than our standing in and through Christ Jesus. But here's the beautiful part of this security, is that you can do nothing to screw up this security. That's the unconditional love of God in and through Jesus on your life. So when you have faith in Jesus, that solidifies the certainty and security that you would ever need in life. So let me translate that for you. That means that your past doesn't bring uncertainty and insecurity in your life anymore. You're like, hey, I'm forgiven and free. I'm standing on Christ alone. I've got the solid ground now. I was in the quicksand before, but now I'm on the solid ground. And then we realize that, you know what? We don't have to be anxious about the future because we can't screw up our standing and our certainty in the presence of God. It's not about us and what we do and don't do. It's about Jesus living in and through us. And so the world is looking for this confidence and this certainty, but they're trying to get it through the other voice and the other ways of the world rather than in and through Jesus. And so again, I hope you're seeing this. It's not that I'm leading you through the Roman road. I am leading you through this world and I'm helping you see the very questions that we long to answer are the very questions that the people around us have a longing to be answered. And so we get to say, am I confident? Am I certain? Well, not in me, but definitely in Christ Jesus. Like, I, I've got nothing to boast in except for him. 
I've got nothing to offer up except what Jesus has given me. I have nothing to enter into the presence of God except the stamp of Jesus' approval on my life. So we get to answer this question. Do you have security? Yes, I do. I do. In this world. How come you're not freaking out because they just said that about you? Well, because I know what my Heavenly Father says about me. Well, how come they rejected you and now you're not, I mean, you seem okay. Like, what's up with that? Well, I'm fully accepted by my Heavenly Father. Why would I be scared about their rejection when I have full acceptance? You see, this is the good news that people need, right? Is this a pamphlet or is this the power of God in your life? Question three, significance. How will I have a place and a purpose? So you go back to the garden. There was just such a powerful meaning of place and purpose, right? Like God created this place better than Chip and Joanne could ever create. And he puts them in there. There wasn't shiplap anywhere. It was only God's creation. And so he puts them in this place and he's like, hey, I need you to know you have purpose. Work it. Take care of it. Till the ground, like grow the produce, like all the things like you, you have a place to do the things of God and you have a purpose in this place. I love that purpose is not dependent upon the fall and sin in this world. So you know what that means? If God's restoring things, we will have place and purpose when we go and we're with him. I love worship. I love worship. I think there is an element of heaven that involves worship and crying out, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But I also think that we might have sanctified good and holy things to do in heaven. And he's like, hey, you have purpose in this place. And so when Jesus comes, he's like, hey, I need you to know that you have a kingdom that you are a part of and you are on a mission and you have purpose. And so here's where the rubber hits the road for you and I is, Oftentimes we feel restlessness in this world because we don't feel like we have meaning, right? And so you show up every day somewhere without meaning. And it is killing your soul. It is killing your heart. Yeah, I mean, I had one job where I digitally filed papers. Like, I, I wasn't even trusted with the real papers. They were like, hey, you know, no offense, but we need you to do the digital ones so that we can redo whatever you don't do right. But if you file something like a paper, we'll never find that thing again. So we just stick to digital. And, and I remember I was like, God, where is the meaning in this? We say this in the way of the bright all the time, is that for believers, we are not going into the world looking for meaning. We are going into the world because we already have meaning. How incredible is that? It's like you don't show up tomorrow looking for meaning, and then you're crushed when you don't get it and you don't find it. You leave this place reminded of your meaning so that you go into the mundane world and you unleash the meaning of God found in the kingdom of God. And so as people, like we just know we have significance. And so when the world is, is doing everything it can to fight for this position and drive that car and live in that neighborhood and buy that house and be a part of this club and like all of that is just a cry looking for significance right i just i just want somebody to see me i just i just i just want somebody to notice me i just i just want someone to come into my life 
and show me that there is more to this life than all that I'm looking for and trying to find. Guess what? That's us. We just say, hey, you have significance. Like if, if you trust Jesus, if you believe in God, like the meaning and the significance is already there. You have a place among the people of God. You have a purpose as the people of God. There are things that God wants to do in and through you that you don't even know about yet. But it starts with trust, right? God, I trust you. I don't know what the significance is right now. I don't know how this place and what purpose will come out of this moment. But, but I know that you are doing something in and through me, and I cannot wait to see what you do. And so when God is restoring and God is creating a deeper relationship in your life, he is doing it through significance. You have a place and you have a purpose. All right, the last question revolves around self-sufficiency. Can I make it through life on my own? So here's the, the crossroads of the two voices, right? Like, I just, I can't even imagine what would happen in that moment with Adam and Eve. Like, all of a sudden, he was dirt, and then he was a man. And ladies, that some men are still dirt, but that's not, like, for this purpose, like, he, he, was, he was created, and it was dirt, and now he's man. And so he's in the garden. And then I always think about this, like... He went to sleep for the first time and God took something from him and then he woke up and there was woman. And I just, I'm like thinking about that first sleep. Like what, what, what happened there? Like, how did you know you're going to wake up? Like, what did you think? Like, oh, oh God, what was that? Can I do that again? Like, can I sleep again? Because that was incredible. And so they have this moment where everything that they are experiencing are through and by the hands of God. They offer nothing to the process. If that's not a message of the gospel, I don't know what is. We offer nothing to the process. And so they're in this moment. They have everything given to them by God. He has created everything that they could ever need. And then all of a sudden, the other voice comes in and be like, Hey, hey, I've got a thought. I just, I just, did y'all know about the other way? No, we didn't know about the other way. Did you know that you could take matters into your own hands and live your life how you want to live your life? And you're like, Nick, you're starting to sound like my mom. You got to be quiet. Like she tells me this all the time. Like, let go, let God. And then I hear Carrie Underwood come on the radio and Jesus is taking the wheel. And this is too much. But for whatever reason, somehow in our lives, we say yes to God on one day and we say yes to self-sufficiency the next day. And, and the enemy and the voice that he presents is all about a DIY, like do it yourself. Like that is the song of the enemy. He is a one hit wonder. He's got one song. It's monotonous. It sounds a lot like I will walk 500 miles. I will like that song. Like that's just it gets in there like you just can't get it out. And the song that he sings is you should do it yourself. You should take matters into your own hands. You should create your own life. You should create your own story. You should create all these things in your life. But that's not the message of the gospel, right? 
And so when Jesus shows up and he starts saying things like Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, where Jesus is inviting us to come who are all who are weary and burdened and he's giving us rest, you know what he's giving them rest from? Their way. It's like, hey, you, you, you tried that religion thing? Oh man, that sounds exhausting. I gave you guys 10 commandments. Y'all came out with 613. Wow, really overachievers there. What were you thinking about that? And then he says, hey, did you, did you try the way of the world? That seems exhausting too. Like you got to put up a facade and pretend like this is that and pretend like you know everything and pretend like you can do everything. And so what Jesus is offering them in this moment is rest and salvation from the DIY life. Like you can't do this on your own and that's the point. And so when Jesus gets to John 15, and then specifically in verse 5, he says, Hey, I just need you to know I'm leaving, but I, I need you to hear this. I've said a lot of things, but if you've got a tablet or a parchment or something, you need to write this down. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And here's what I've found in the believer life, is I've found that we live our life based off of one hour we can do things with God. And then all the other hours, it's on us, right? And so he's saying, hey, this, this isn't about self-sufficiency. In fact, if you are sufficient in self, there's no trust, right? Because the trust is in yourself. To put it lightly, it's like you believe in self. Like, who's your God? Me. I'm telling you right now, the number one person that doesn't need to be Lord over my life is me. Right? And so can you think about all the people around you and how they're just trying to live life on their own? They're just out there like, man, I tried this, and then I tried Pilates, and now I got a back injury, and then like I tried to eat this way, and like I had a carb the other day and thought I had to go to the hospital because I had such a rush in my body. And then, and then I tried this, and then I tried that, and then I tried this, and I tried that. And the voice of God saying, hey, like, I ain't gone anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm here. I am ready to walk with you. I am ready to do this thing for you. But you have to trust me and you have to believe in me. And so these, these four questions are not anything new. And these four questions we will continue to answer until we'll be with him one day. But here's the most beautiful thing about where we're heading. Is right now we have two voices, but where we are going, there's only one voice. Right? And then at the end of the scriptures, he says, I am the Alpha and Omega, and I'm, I'm here and I'm waiting for you. I'm preparing a place for you. And so until then, we have some things to do, right? Like we have some things to do. God is creating in you a winsome person so that you can help people around you answer these questions. And here's the beautiful thing. You're not going to do it from a place of expertise. You're not going to do it from the tower. You're going to do it among them. You know why? Because that's how Jesus did it, right? Like Jesus could have saved anyone from heaven, but he chose to walk among us, right? And so let me ask you, like, is your trust in him fully and holy? Because that's the relationship, right? Let me pray for us. Father, I just pray that you would just help us get back to that image. We are image bearers and we, we, 
we have that image. And God, I just I pray that we wouldn't try to dust off that image and try to clean it off. But God, I pray that we would accept the full forgiveness, love, grace, and mercy of the cross. Father, your blood washed us clean. It's not going to be some magical shower that we give ourselves. God, we need the blood. And Father, I just, I just pray for anyone here who, who just has lost trust in their Heavenly Father. Maybe they're trying to live life on their own. They're trying to find security on their own. They're trying to find significance on their own. They're trying to find salvation on their own. Father, I just pray right now that this would be a safe place for them to say yes to Jesus. Your word says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through Jesus. And so we put our faith in Jesus. We put our trust in Jesus. We put our hope on the cross. We put our hope in the work of the body and blood of Jesus. And most of all, we put our hope in that resurrection, that Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose up out of the grave. And so, Father, that's where our trust is. Not only is it there today, but it is there tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Father, we trust you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Um, will you stand with me? Um, we're going to head into uh, a time of response. And so that involves a few things. Um, one of the things that we get to do as believers, we get to go to the table and uh, take the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus given on our behalf. And here's the deal. Like, that is the official meal of trust. Like, you are going to the table because you trust that this is enough. And so I just pray that that's why you're going. And today, if you just feel like this is the first time that I'm putting my trust in Jesus, I pray that the table will be your declaration this morning. That when you go to that table, you're like, I am putting it all on Jesus. I am putting it all on His work. I am putting it all on the cross. I am putting it all on what he has to offer me in this world. Uh, and then we're going to have an opportunity to sing songs. And I just pray that you would sing from a place of security. Like we get to step into the throne room of grace. How incredible is that? And if Bright City is your church, this is your time to be uh, generous and faithful with your finances. Because, right, we didn't earn it and we can't be sufficient. We can't be self-sufficient. So we got to trust God with our money. And then lastly, if you just feel like you need prayer, you're like, man, I want to believe, help my unbelief, we would love to pray with you, and there'll be people up front to pray with you. Let's respond to God.